0: Hello and welcome to episode number 407 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show we hear about an airline that will give its staff $1,000 for not bunking off work, some JetBlue passengers want to get off the plane after the bumps and Ryanair get into a right old pickle with a passenger's wheelchair. In the military news this week, there are some changes afoot in the contracts, and my phone's just gone off. What a good start to the show. Wow. Adversary aircraft world, and the RAF goes green for its pilot training, and the Royal Air Force give out a contract for support. So joining me this week in the world of podcasting glory, as always, over in, well, across the village, I should say, from where I am here in sunny Suffolk, it's Matt Smith. Uh, well, hello, everyone. You don't get away with that. I want to know who messaged you now. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a <laughs> blooming group chat. We're, oh, we're having a we're having a get together here tomorrow evening. Oh, right. All the the planning's all going you know going ahead. So.
1: I mean, the one thing I can be absolutely certain of uh, is Mr Bounds would never make such a heinous crime at the start (laughs) of the show. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm sure
2: you agree with me on that one, Mr Bounds. (laughs) Well, it has happened before, uh, I have to say, so I'll just make sure that both of my phones, uh, my normal phone and the burner phone, are both set to silent.
1: Okay, Burner Wow, we're we're learning a lot, <laughs> and giving
0: us all his secrets this week. Of course, across the fields and glens of the UK, in Buckinghamshire, it is of course Neville Barnes.
2: Yes, <laughs> great day today. Very sunny, twenty-one degrees Celsius, um, and perfect for gardening car cleaning and all the rest of it so uh, it's a nice change in it to have an easter holiday weekend where the weather is decent we've had so many in the past where it hasn't been oh it's been. been uh it's great isn't it very nice indeed so it was a four day uh four day weekend here in the uk and uh looking forward to all of it but uh, great to be back on the show as well with all you guys too
0: Yes, it's it's nice to have all the team back together because we we are all here this week. Just we have got Armando with us this week. He's uh, he's currently actually driving, but don't panic, everyone. He's with us in a safe, as safe a way as he can possibly be. All Bluetooth <laughs> and linked up by cables. He's literally plugged into his car. Right. So uh, <laughs> welcome onto the show, uh, Armando.
3: Great introduction, Carlos. Way to set the expectations low, and then we can only improve from there. Love
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly the future. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Much much like you guys, it's a beautiful day here in the southeast United States. I am driving home from the airport. Had three uh, revenue legs this morning. So we flew from Charlotte up to Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh to Charlottesville, Virginia, which is always a beautiful place to go to, and then Charlottesville back to Charlotte. So here I am uh, driving home and I should be back in the new studio, which hasn't been set up in just about uh, 30, 45 minutes.
0: Ah. and but it's safe to say, Amanda, as you you've said in our group chat, that you've done a lot of flying over the last uh, sort of week.
3: Yeah, it's not going to surprise anybody, but the charter world is booming and uh, not just us, we're picking up trips for other brokers and even this morning, we went up to a nice little airport in Pittsburgh called Butler County. They have their own charter citation, um, and they said those guys have been flying almost every day uh, within the bounds of the rules. And Everybody's just incredibly busy, which is great for the industry on the BizJet side, and I just can't wait. I, actually, Wednesday, I have my first flight in the Hawker, uh, so that'll be my, my future plan' I'll be bouncing back and forth between... Uh, Pilatus and the hawker 800 xpi so yeah wednesday is my first flight and i think we're just going down to tampa and back.
1: love
0: it and then t- i'll tell you, i'm guessing it's all been Pilatus work um armando
3: yeah for now it's uh 90 percent pilates yep
0: oh very good very good well, it's, it's, I'm glad you could join us uh, on the show this week. I, as I know, you've had a very busy week, What we're flying and also busy with the big move, which uh, we hear is all going very well. So that's good to hear. Uh, we, we all look forward to the house party um, when you get settled in.
3: Cinco de Mayo. If you can find it, you can come. Right, no, right. right. You know okay. what? No, no. I, <laughs> I take that immediately back. I regret I said it because our listeners are incredibly smart. They- <laughs> Probably would wouldn't have wouldn't take more than ten seconds to find where I live.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, let's not let's not to tempt, tempt that one. Wow, yeah.
3: Lake Burton, Georgia. That's where I live. <laughs> yeah, in in the lake. That's that's Captain Jeff's cabin. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, so uh,
0: let's uh, let's uh, let's move on with the show. While we've got uh, Armando, obviously his signal will stay true the whole time he's with us on the phone because unlike in the UK here you tend to get a lot better quality of 4G signal over in the uh, over in the US but uh, we have got some uh, special uh, housekeeping to do at the top of the show as always and uh, it's a special thank you to a, a, a damn good bunch of people isn't it mr Bounds?
2: certainly is yes and of course this is the uh, time of the month where we talk about uh, thanking all of our patreon and paypal donators and this month uh, it is from uh, dirk s sasha beer Stephen ivy nick codling louis cachares alan white Stephen howland tanya wyman megan carrion jacob darlington brown Nicholas Hewitt, Masher, Owen, uh, Reuben Wells, Neil Landwarn, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Myler, uh, Jenny Parkinson, Evan Shu, Philip Laib, Stuart Backer, Ray Williams and Stephanie Plummer. And those people that have donated via PayPal are Mazuz Karim, uh, Craig Urosoko and Tony Stubbings and Richard Adams. Thank you one and all. We really appreciate your fantastic contributions to the show.
0: Yes, thanks to everyone from us all here at the show. And uh, if you want to become a patron or uh, donate to the show, you can. We would... Very much appreciate it, like uh, Nev says. Helps to uh, to push the show forward. We've got some big plans for this year, especially air show-wise. Uh, you can find all the links over on our website. More info on that at the end of the show. So we're going to say a big hello to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. We're going to say hello to who is the top of the list here. So first one in tonight was Richard Adams. Hello to you, Richard. Uh, GB's Model Zone. Arnie Carlson. Hello to you, Arnie. Uh, we've got uh, scrolling out Liz piper auntie Liz is in the chat room nice to see auntie Liz in uh, there this week uh, pilot Logan Lynch hello to you I know it's snowing a bit where he is uh, just slightly uh, Graham Haley great to see Graham in this week always nice to see uh, our resident uh, ATC uh, chap in there this week uh, let's have a see who else we've got John jester hello John got some good news coming up later on the show actually John regarding uh, an aircraft that you very uh, well tuned with uh, Dirk S uh hello good evening to you uh, Neil Lamwell hello to you as well uh Rick Bell has joined us in the chat room this week the absolute legend that is Rick Bell is in there this week and also just pipping us at the post here he's just joined us wielding his blue spanner of death and it is of course our main man uncle Micah so uh hello to you one and all don't forget if you're listening to the show as an audio podcast or an audio audio podcast you can uh, find us over on youtube Uh, just search for us Plain talking uk don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the bell icon right next door to that which you will hit and it'll tell you when we're live doing the show as we are right now and you can join us all in the chat room along with our amazing chat room that there is an amazing chat room every week in here, so uh, there we go.
1: Indeed, uh, Nat, b- b- I'm just going to mention, if I may, the picture that's behind me. Obviously, uh keen viewers will know that it's a certain B52 that is behind me, and of course, it is the anniversary. I was told reliably by Jonathan Warner, so I'm pretty sure it's quite I'm not accurate. Yes, he told you. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, apparently, it was the 15th of April, 1952, was its first flight. So there we go. That's why I have that. What have you got on your green screen?
0: I have got a picture from uh, quite a few years ago, back in 2001. That was our honeymoon. That's the uh, transport that we used to get to our island in the Maldives. Oh, as yes, you do. Which was a de Havilland Twin Otter from uh, Trans Moldavian Airways. And that, it, was, that was a, a very early morning. Well, after the sun had come up, obviously, but it was early morning after a very long flight from Heathrow. And um, we were waiting there on that pontoon in the, what I can remember blooming heat right. really really hot and humid uh, waiting to get on that aircraft to go to our
1: island uh, indeed and uh, is anybody else buying the fact that that's probably the thing he was most excited about never never mind he was a, <laughs> never mind he was on his honeymoon he's more excited about that aircraft trust trust me matt when, when we booked that
2: when we booked that
0: honeymoon and we had the option matt, yeah would you like a, would you like a speedboat transfer or,
1: an air, or a, um, a plane transfer right okay mm. and, and Gemma went uh, well I'll go for the speedboat because mm. it's probably <laughs> a much more cost-effective way of doing it and you went no well, no <laughs> that that believe it or not that was half an hour right the boat, the boat
0: was just under an hour
1: well okay so not as much in it as I thought really but no, uh, there no. we go I sort of anyway no brainer we no brainer. We, we digress
0: Anyway, we've got loads of great news stories to get through this week. So if all the team are ready... I think yes, so. Let's go. The
2: captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts.
0: So the first news story for the commercial segment this week comes to us from simpleflying.com, dailymail.co.uk, and themirror.co.uk. Obviously a very good source of all aviation news, the Mirror here in the UK. Uh, the headline, an international jet blue flight diverted from JFK to Newark and passengers weren't happy so social media has exploded with footage of irate passengers trying to get off a JetBlue flight diverted from JFK to Newark airport uh, last week bad weather around New York's JFK airport last Thursday forced a JetBlue flight from Cancun Mexico to divert to new uh, nearby Newark airport at uh, the three hour and 15 minute flight or one and a half thousand mile journey Uh, from New York was uneventful until it approached New York's JFK airport. Stormy weather caused uh, four missed approaches or four missed landings before the pilots decided to divert to Newark. Four? Blimey, they'd give up after two. Uh, The plane an Airbus A321 Uh, Dash 200 Registration November 973 Juliet Tango Landed safely At Newark Soon after But once on the ground Trouble started When several passengers Demanded to disembark But the crew said That everyone would need To sit tight And they'd be going Back to JFK When the weather there Cleared One passenger said That his kids were panicking People are being sick Back here He said We've got to get off This plane And one male passenger Was filmed Telling their Harried flight attendants It's dangerous And we've tried to land four times already take me to jail I don't care. The footage showed several passengers clearly keen to get off the aircraft while it was on the ground in Newark and flight attendants who had no control over disembarkation decisions, doing a sterling job of keeping things under control while some passengers were agitated, none physically or verbally threatened any of the JetBlue crew, uh, JetBlue crew flight attendants were filmed calmly asking passengers to settle and sit down. So JetBlue confirmed the diversion to Newark was weather related They said that the safety of their customers, as they always say, and crew members is our first priority, and our pilots are well trained to manage severe weather. On April 7th, Flight 1852, with service from Cancun to JFK, diverted to Newark due to severe weather over JFK, the spokesperson said from JetBlue. The aircraft remained on the ground for 60 minutes and once it was safe to do so, departed again for JFK where it landed and customers on this international flight could properly clear US customs and immigration. No injuries were reported and they apologized for the inconvenience this weather-related diversion created. By the time passengers were allowed off the aircraft, they'd been on it for seven hours. JetBlue offered passengers a uh, 50 a $50 um, compensation voucher.
1: Hmm. Marvelous. I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot.
2: <laughs> um, I, I've got a few questions. <laughs> oh, four times. <laughs> um, now, um, why not? I mean, bearing in mind how close Newark and JFK airports are, is it not likely that there could be similar weather at both airports? I, I don't know. But if there was that situation, why not go to Boston or Philly or, or somewhere else where perhaps the weather could be a bit better? Now, obviously, we don't know what the weather was like on the day and we were not the operating crew. So it's not possible to say what we might have done in that situation. But I think four attempts at landing is probably too many uh, for the mm. average passenger uh, to, to cope with. Um, what do you think? Yes, I think. I think
3: uh, what you know the runways may have been aligned differently. Uh, JFK has a smattering of runways. It, it, it is a good point, Nev, to wonder, are not the runways aligned in the same direction? You know, based on the winds. I, I think it was winds that was the issue this day. Um, but I, I also understand where the crew is coming from. Customs having an international flight like this is is difficult to coordinate logistically, and it was probably not feasible to just let them out because once you let them out, they're out there. Uh, it would have been almost impossible to get them to clear customs again and then the logistics of getting them to, to re-go, re that's not a word, to go through security again uh, back to the aircraft to a location where they don't even have, they may not even have a JetBlue presence. I don't, even, I don't know if they do or not. Um, but that's where you have to call in the partnerships with American Airlines that they just established or so maybe American can get, just the logistics of all of this, the crew was probably in communications with their company saying, what is the best course of action here? And the company, of course, they're not there on the airplane with these irate passengers. It, they deem, Hey, keep them on the airplane. And, and for, for the ease of logistics, which of course doesn't get translated to a customer that's, that's irate or doesn't understand the process is, is not a, an acceptable answer to that. But I, I actually just feel for the crew. And as we always say, especially for the cabin crew, who is the face of the company, and they're the ones that had to do with this passengers and, and try to explain this information.
2: Actually, that's a good point, because it was coming from Cancun. I mean, if it, if that had been a you know domestic flight, mm. the options would have been far greater, I guess. But coming from uh, Mexico, as they were, uh, with clearances and all the rest of it, that yeah, that kind of starts to add into the difficulty doesn't it
1: yeah i get that so so uh, complete uh, as i say forgive my naivety here i've been very lucky i have been to new york and it was Newark that we flew into rather than jfk airport uh now my understanding is they are they are very very close together to each other i mean is there is there a reason why the flight couldn't have just terminated there other than the logistics of of the airplane being in the wrong place, because if they're not that far away, we're you know we're essentially talking a glorified bus ride, aren't we, back to um, JFK where people could then pick up their their cars or whatever it was that was at the airport, or or, or have I missed something?
3: Yeah, it would have had to, but uh, that would have been incumbent upon JetBlue to get those passengers to where they're supposed to go, um, which is back to JFK. That I'm sure that was an option. I'm sure that was an All option right. that the company entertained and that the crew said hey can we just can we just end the flight here and let these guys yeah um, off but um, yeah in that case i you know again the company kind of dictates a lot of this once they're on the once they're on the ground you know the, the the pilots and the cabin crew have a lot of say in the air once that aircraft is on the ground and safely on the ground it's uh, they, it all turns out to to corporate And just defers to the operations department.
1: Defers to the company, essentially. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm. Fair enough. So
0: moving on to the next story. So from one heap of passengers discontent to <laughs> another passengers discontent with this next story Matt
1: indeed uh, story number two as always is a Ryanair story as you might imagine and the headline is disabled man kicked off Ryanair flight as a wheelchair could ruin plane I suspect that we're going <laughs> to read a story here which is going to be packed full of inaccuracies and probably incorrect statements here uh, but we'll brace ourselves uh anyway uh because i i have I, uh, I I I don't believe the headline, if I'm honest with you. But uh, let's learn together, shall we? Uh, a disabled man claims he was kicked off a Ryanair flight after being told his electric wheelchair could ruin the plane. Noah Cunningham from Southport was set to fly to Rome from Liverpool St John uh, John Lennon Airport on Thursday the eighth of April with his brother and two carers with the money he'd saved from his 18th birthday. But Mum Vicky said Noah had his dream taken away in such a humiliating way when staff decided his electric wheelchair wouldn't fit after he'd already boarded the plane. Vicky said Noah who has Duchenne's uh, muscular dystrophy, a progressive muscle wasting condition, had provided the exact measurements of his wheelchair to the airline in advance of his trip and was not informed there was anything wrong with the measurements provided. Uh, Ryanair said incorrect dimensions had been provided and the wheel exceeded the maximum dimensions to safely load onto the plane. Vicky said Noah had obtained letters from his GP and hospital ahead of travelling which explained the medical equipment he needed with him on the flight including two ventilators, a suction machine and a feeding pump. Vicky said Noah was also sent a waiver form filled in by Ryanair assistance team which he was asked to show at the airport to waiver the cost of carrying his medical equipment on board with him. However, Vicky said Noah first encountered problems when he arrived at the Ryanair check-in desk on Thursday where staff said they didn't know what the waiver form was and asked him to pay more than 70 pounds to make his to take his medical supplies on board. Vicky said it was at this point a staff member approached one of Noah's carers and asked for help in getting the wheelchair on the plane. They came up and said we can't get the wheelchair uh, on you're going to have to come and help. Uh, Vicky said both Noah's carers tried to get the wheelchair onto the plane by dismantling the headrest and they were still experiencing difficulties when she claimed the pilot got off the plane and approached them she said the pilot said you're going to ruin my plane you're not putting that on at that point they'd broken the wheelchair the control uh you have to push him in you'd have to push him in it now all the passengers had been sitting on the plane um on the plane for an hour and they were fed up as you can imagine staff came on board and said to Noah you'll have to take it to get off we can't get your wheelchair on they had to lift him off and away in front of everyone uh, Vicky said the situation is an example of this discrimination people with disabilities face on a daily basis she said Noah was left with no other option but to return home with his carers after the ordeal and has now lost all of his birthday money which he spent on the flights accommodation transport and trips in Rome. The airline told the echo as a gesture of goodwill, Ryanair has provided a full run r- r- refund to this passenger. Of course, sir. Uh, Harsh reality there of course is the ironically the, the flight was probably the cheapest part of that Ooh. particular trip. Um I mean I I, I however you uh I mean, Rhino don't really do PR disasters, do they? They don't sort of they don't acknowledge them or, or anything like this. But I, I can't help but feel that that something's not quite right there. I, I, I do struggle to accept the argument that the measurements provided were incorrect. Um I can't imagine that that would, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, something doesn't feel right here. I, as I say, I, I feel like we don't have all of the information we need.
0: I, I've seen this before when I've when I've travelled with Ryanair, funnily mm. enough, to to Malta when when a passenger's got on in their own wheelchair. Yeah. But then all they do is they obviously hate. They have crew or or assistance staff that help the passenger into to an actual seat on the aircraft. Yeah. And then the wheelchair itself is then taken off, because obviously you can't have the wheelchair on uh, uh, no. in the cabin. And it's taken off the aircraft and, and obviously stored in underneath, the uh, yeah. hold underneath. Mm. So quite what exactly happened here, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, because of the, the way the story goes, is as if they or, or the, possibly the passenger was expecting to be out of stay in the... In the um, in the wheelchair whilst on you know whilst on board the aircraft which obviously we know we you can't do but
1: yeah i must admit it does look a bit too wide to even because the picture that i'm looking at here obviously it does look wide underneath the um underneath the plane um is that the only is that the i don't know enough um is that the only part that you know the only bit that you could put the wheelchair in in terms of um it looks like underneath. it's the
2: forward hold doesn't it yeah Along the right hand side of the aircraft from what i can yeah s- or is it actually uh, yes it is yes because that's where the nose wheel is, isn't it so mm. yeah <clears throat> mm.
1: yeah tricky it is it is
2: a i think
0: there's a, there might be a few vital pieces of information that that, that we don't know about on yeah. this um, particular story but yeah
1: i mean on the face of this article from the echo it does feel like it hasn't been very sensitively Handled, which I guess you could argue is sort of Ryanair all over. Let's be honest. Um, but um, I, I, as I say, I feel really sorry for this guy who was looking forward to, the, you know, the trip of his dreams. Um, mm. And you know, I've been very lucky to go to Rome, and obviously, I mean, I was very lucky because, of course, uh, when I went, um, you know, I sort of went with my best friend, and we uh, we had an incredible guide to show us Rome, uh, which is uh, something that's very much not to be sneezed at. So I, mm. I, I am uh, bitterly sad that this this poor guy didn't get to experience I will of say on, on this
0: particular story though that uh, the, the few times that we took uh, my grandfather to to Moll before he passed a few years ago mm-hmm. we flew with easyjet and that and the service they gave because obviously he had to come on with a wheelchair was absolutely yeah. fantastic yeah yeah. was I, absolutely fantastic. To be,
1: uh, again to be fair, I mean I've done a couple of Ryanair flights with mum obviously because she has the same sort of thing where we have to have a a wheelchair to get her on mm. on board and stuff and I have to say uh it's not usually the airline directly that is providing that care they're merely paying for it. Yeah. Um so uh I I will say that in you know Ryanair's defence way it wouldn't have mattered particularly perhaps whether it was a Ryanair flight or an EasyJet flight it's the same um, um sort of uh company if you like that's providing that support um to the airline um you know that they just paid the fee for it it's not sort of you know they don't get to provide their own um special assistance if you see what i mean but uh, the crews are good as well yeah absolutely well, The crews yeah. Are good. Yeah. indeed
0: so indeed. um moving on to next story mr bounds
2: and it's a uh, kind of good news for heathrow well yes it needs to be doesn't it we need to get some passengers back flying again and on mm. the uh, BBC News website, it says Heathrow Airport has just said that it's recorded its busiest month since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, The West London Hub said that it was used by 4.2 million passengers in March, representing almost an eightfold increase on the total during the same month in 2021. In February 2020, just before the pandemic caused people to stay at home, it was used by 5.4 million passengers. Uh, Demand was driven by uh, outbound leisure travel at weekends and during the school holidays, the airport said. A spike in coronavirus-related staff staff Absences, however, combined with difficulties finding and passing security checks for new recruits, means that the aviation sector has struggled to cope with a number of people flying in recent weeks. Heathrow admitted resources are stretched, but described how it was working closely with airlines and ground handlers to make sure this increase in demand can be met whilst keeping passengers safe. Uh, Chief Executive of Heathrow Airport, John Holland Kaye, said it's fantastic to see the airport coming back to life after two years. I want to thank all the team at Heathrow, uh, colleagues for working together to serve our passengers. Everyone at Heathrow is doing everything we can to make sure passengers get on their way as smoothly and as safely as possible. The rise in passengers was attributed to the government's removal of all coronavirus travel restrictions and Heathrow warned that there was congestion in check-in areas at peak times as half of global markets still require passengers to pass coronavirus checks such as testing and vaccination status. Departing passengers are advised to check with their airline to confirm when they should arrive at the airport and it added that other airport processes are currently working to plan. The airport said that it was working with Border Force to ensure sufficient levels of resource are in place to cope with a large number of, of passengers returning to the UK over the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, new figures show that the West London Hub Airport slipped from being the second busiest airport, airport for international travel before the pandemic to number seven in 2021. Airports Council International said that Heathrow was used by 17.6 million International passengers last year, which was down 77% on the total for 2019. Uh, Dubai maintained its spot at the top of these rankings. Well, um, yes, it is a lot busier at Heathrow. I can confirm that, having been through it a few times yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Um, from what I can see, all of the staff are doing a tremendous job trying to get people on their way. Um, but as the article suggests, um, because a lot of the destinations still have restrictions um, mm. and therefore passengers are taking some time to be processed because of that. But some of the European legs and certainly the domestic legs, there's there's no such restriction now. So it's going to get better. But because this is the bank holiday Easter weekend where, where it is a busy time. Um, but... I, I think um, despite some of the things that I've seen on social media, um, all the staff are really trying their best. But, of course, they're restricted by the, the throughput, you know, by the number of people they can physically process through the system at any one time. And bearing in mind that there's been a lot of staff shortage because of coronavirus themselves. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're not back at full capacity. But, um, yeah, it's it's good to see that the airport is uh, is a lot busier. That's for sure.
0: Dark S in the chat room, Nev, says London Heathrow's months could have been even busier if BA didn't screw up operations on a regular basis.
2: Well, yes, they've had some <laughs> IT challenges, haven't <laughs> they? That's um, what my point if, is. If you're expecting me to fully defend all of that, then you're <laughs> mistaken. No, indeed. Um, but yes, there's there's been some, you know, there's been several. Uh, instances of, of that kind of stuff going on, mm. and that's made it even more challenging. Um, when you've got baggage handling difficulties and all sorts of stuff, or, or operational difficulties, that that is not not great, is so. it? No. I'll
0: tell you what, I will say one thing before we move on, though. You know, I know the 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 virus is still with us and and, is stuff is, and yeah I know and stuff is still a bit crazy in that but I tell you what it's so good to, to hear stories where things are, are starting to be busy because obviously airports that are busy need staff and you know people are, 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 are hopefully getting their jobs back and um, being able to work again doing what they love so which is always good news I think personally
2: so you need to move yes, on and I've oh, just on. what, just one other thing I was going to say about that, of course, the problem has been because so many staff were furloughed or completely laid off at the beginning of this pandemic, getting people back quickly and yes. security cleared and trained. This is not a switch that you can suddenly switch on. No, no. So no. Uh, th- that's why there's, you know, longer term difficulty here as well, I think.
0: And uh, Graham Haley says, Nev, apparently BA have a job for you, a PR job.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yes, well, I'm available, obviously, uh, whenever they would like (laughs) to uh, get in touch. I'll do it in my spare time.
1: Of course, yeah, you have plenty of that, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. So, the next story comes to us
0: from a V Herald, and the headline: Virgin Australia Fokker 100 en route on December the twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. Cabin and flight crew unwell in flight, possibly hypoxia. So, this is an update on a uh, incident that happened at uh, last year. So, Virgin uh, Virgin Fokker one hundred. Registration Victor Hotel Foxtrot November Uniform performing flight VA 1896 from Newman Western Australia to Perth, Western Australia. Uh, with seven passengers and five crew was en route at flight level 340 when a flight attendant began to feel unwell and was treated with portable oxygen. The flight crew climbed the aircraft to flight level 350 and a few minutes later the other two flight attendants also felt unwell and told the flight crew they suspected hypoxia. The first time The officer also felt lightheaded and experienced slight nausea, and the flight crew donned their oxygen masks as a precaution and performed an emergency descent to flight level one zero zero. The flight continued on to Perth for a safe landing, and the incapacitated flight attendant was taken to hospital. The aircraft remained on the ground for three days and sixteen hours, and the ATSB opened an investigation. Uh, expected to conclude in the third quarter of 2022 into the occurrence on April 13th 2022 the ATSB reported they uh, that they had aborted the investigation and the ATSB reasoned that the normal cabin altitude for the Fokker F100 at flight level 350, is 8,000 feet. The flight crew recalled that the cabin altitude reached around uh, 8,300 feet. The excessive cabin altitude warning, which activates at 10,000 feet, did not activate during the flight, and the drop-down cabin oxygen masks automatically deploy at a cabin altitude of 13,500 feet on the F-100 aircraft, but the masks did not automatically deploy and were manually deployed by the flight crew. So inspections and tests were conducted in accordance with the aircraft maintenance manual in a a consultation with the aircraft manufacturer. Although there were uh, defects identified, none were considered a contributory to the uh, uh, depressurization event or to the uh, Simpson's symptoms and subsequent incapacitation. What's in this beer? Uh, by the passengers. The available evidence indicates the aircraft's cabin altitude remained below 10,000 feet. The reason for the cabin crew and flight crew symptoms could not be established. A decision by the flight crew to don oxygen masks and descend to a safe altitude was sound. If there's any doubt as to whether the flight crew's ability to operate the aircraft may be affected by a possible oxygen supply problem, the safest course of action. Uh, is to go onto auction as soon as possible which as we all know the um the flight deck crew have access to quite easily but uh yeah something went slightly wrong here don't you reckon Nev with uh, the pressurization
2: uh, yeah, system yeah uh, and thank goodness it was identified quickly because um hypoxia is is a very um, it's one of those things that you know can creep up on you, and you don't even know it's happening. And then almost like it's very, too late, isn't it? Very like... dangerous situation. Mm. Um, so obviously, this is all you know trained for uh, in in the, in the flight deck crew's training. But uh, yeah, to to get an oxygen mask on sharpish when this sort of thing happens is really really important. Um, uh, now, obviously, when when they got down to flight level one hundred which is where um, it's possible to breathe properly again, That that's great. But you've got to identify these, these problems quickly. And I think, um, irrespective of, of what else has gone on here, that the crew obviously have done the right thing um, and they manually deployed the oxygen masks because of the excessive cabin altitude that they were experiencing. Um, so, uh, yeah, an interesting, uh, interesting one. But thank goodness, a, a safe outcome in the end. Do you
0: remember this... Sounds similar, in as such, to um, Helios. Do you remember that Helios flight five two two Nev?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yep, yep. There's uh, definitely similarities there, although
0: slightly different circumstances. Different circumstances, yeah. Different ending, yeah. but um, yeah, that was uh, a similar kind of mm. issue. Yep. Um, with uh, hypoxia, so. So Matt, hello. Who's got the next story? And. <laughs> We do love a story where the headline includes the word duct tapes. Oh, no, really? So, Matt, what really? We got here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, okay. Uh, NDTV.com is the website that this story has come from, and the headline is US flight passenger who was duct taped to a seat faces record fine. Uh, this is a follow-up from Story 5 in Episode 376. Did you look that up? Or did you have some help from from a certain producer?
0: No, a uh, producer John did, dip, did right, snip that right, snip okay. that one in there. Yeah,
1: okay, all right then. A woman who was duct taped to a seat aboard an American Airlines flight has been issued a record fine. The Federal Aviation Administration, that's the FAA, of course, imposed an eighty one thousand nine hundred and fifty dollar penalty against the unidentified woman who attacked the crew and tried to open the cabin door mid-flight the incident happened in july last year but the faa announced the fine on friday after a detailed inquiry this is the largest penalty handed out by the american aviation regulator to date. Uh, The woman was on a late night flight from Dallas to Charlotte in North Carolina on the 6th of July 2021 when she fell into the aisle, according to uh, the New York Post. She then threatened to hurt the crew member who tried to help her, the FAA said. The Post also reported the woman even bit a flight attendant as she lunged forward to open the front boarding door as the flight was on cruising altitude. It it quoted an airline spokesperson as saying that she was restrained for the safety and security of other customers and crew. Uh, The Daily Mail, which also reached out to American Airlines, reported that the woman managed to spit at, headbutt, bite and kick the crew despite being restrained in uh, flex cuffs Uh, she was then bound to a seat with her mouth and torso wrapped in uh, duct tape the woman was taken to hospital after the flight landed in charlotte
2: Uh, quite oh (laughs) nev's got the tape out ready I I never go anywhere without a real. Well, no, quite right. I, be, um, yes, I mean if you so, can't mend uh, it
1: if you can't mend it with gaffer tape, then it's throw it away. Surely,
2: you haven't, you haven't used enough. If no, you can't it with tape.
0: <laughs> quite. <laughs> so you've got uh, you've got a conversion there, Matt, for our UK listeners on that story.
1: Indeed, yes. So uh, so, uh, so eighty one thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars uh, is sixty two thousand seven hundred and sixteen pounds. That is, which is a big <laughs> it's number. Quite a fine. Now, I mean. <laughs> As I say, I completely, I completely understand the importance of this of this being, um, uh, you know, because I do think half the trouble is, is like, I mean, there is a, another story that's going on that's got absolutely nothing to do with aviation, where fifty pound fines were given out. And to the people that those fifty pounds, oh, and to and to, the, to those people, but no, but my, my point, my point is, is like you know that fifty pounds, realistically, that's going to mean you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's they they they've probably lost that down the side of the sofa, you know, on their bicycle in on on their way to work, you know, it's it's one of those. Uh, I'm worried this has gone the other way because presumably, I mean, unless she's a very wealthy lady, I wasn't um, going to say that, Matt. I mean, eighty-one thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. I mean realistically for me it almost makes that pointless because they're never going to get that money because no. presumably the fine uh, will have to be based on um you know like their ability to pay it for example but so do you think
2: that um it's about time we saw some exemplary fines going on for, for these aviation related incidents
1: no i know no, I, I, sorry I, I need to make clear i absolutely agree that you know some of the fines are lenient oh, yeah. my, my issue with this particular one is that it is so big that unless she's on a very very healthy income i, I don't see how she's going to be able to pay for it and is probably going to end up paying like the equivalent of five dollars a week until she like you know retires or so do you know what i mean that that's the thing that i'm worried about in you know in reality it's not going to cause the hardship that it probably should because it's so big because you 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 can't give somebody a fine that they can't afford to pay because there's no point yeah john do you understand what i'm getting at
0: as I say, John Jester in the chat room um, makes two comments. Yeah. Uh, first one, he says, uh, good on them for finally making it hurt to act badly on an aircraft. And he's also saying, John Jester's also saying that they will take cars, houses, and all the money in the bank.
1: Oh, okay. All right. no Fair enough.
0: But, he, like, but you're right in what you're saying, though. I, uh, do, you, do I honestly see a paying back, $81,950? Yeah. No. I don't. You know, not unless she's incredibly rich.
1: Yeah, indeed. So, you know, I mean, if so, if I was to be given a one thousand pound fine, for example, that would probably hurt me an awful lot more than mm. it might do someone else. Do you, do you see what I mean? I, I, it's it's almost like I feel it needs to be means tested. Um, anyway, perhaps mm. that's uh, perhaps I'm I'm, I'm misleading the situation. A, it's one of those
0: topics of discussion that we could... Mm we could have a damn good yeah. chew on for a while but
1: um, I, I think there should be a different you know like as i say th- this is a, a, a beyond heinous crime i mean and the, what that poor crew had to deal with if you like to put up with and you know realistically the chances of them opening that door uh, w- well, you know nev sh- nev should have been there with his, his Well, client yes yeah duck, or taser i think is the <laughs> other thing but uh, anyway uh, anyway we could go we could go on i suppose talking so, of nev yes
2: you've got the next story nev all uh, about 777s and 787s. eight no, sevens. just finally on on the previous story. Mm. Though, oh yeah, come on. The, the the passengers should know it is not possible to open at all. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, cruising altitude. Yeah. Obviously.
1: Well, this is yeah. it. But yeah, but I suppose I mean unless somebody sat down and explained that to you and you're a passenger who's near that door, you, you know, I mean we would know that that's not possible. I didn't until we were talking about this story originally, you know, a few weeks mm. ago. Um but um you know perhaps you know mr joe blog sitting in that front row because they haven't listened to plane talking uk which is clearly their mistake uh that you know <laughs> they wouldn't necessarily know that it's not possible to open that door from the inside do you know what i mean so they, there would have been a lot of panicked other passengers when that's all going
0: on no
2: that's a reasonable point yeah
1: yeah
0: have you have you seen uh duck's um comment in the chat room uh, mr bounds his latest comment
2: there Uh, Yes, I have. Yes. And uh, he Mm. he says uh, in Switzerland, they regularly base fines on the income. So, in fact, uh, it is means tested. Um, Yeah, I like the same. And in fact, a colleague of mine, um, I'm not going to say who it was or who he works for, but uh, he was um, doing, I think it was, we'll say it was 70 miles an hour in a 50... uh, mile an hour limit yeah area and the area of the country where he lives um it is being means tested now being quite yeah. a wealthy chap uh, he had a fine of 850 pounds
1: see that that mm. as i say that makes but, sense doing to me. 20
2: miles an hour over the odds yeah. Now, if we're now getting into that kind of area mm. uh, when applying to airline behavior or potential diversions or injury yeah. to crew you know Whatever well, I
1: agree. I agree. Yeah, that, and But that, that, that starts to get interesting. Couldn't that, it? Well, exactly. But that's going to be more of a deterrent yeah. to someone like, you know, to, to, to anyone like that is because it's like, you know, it's big enough that, you, you know, you can't get out of paying it. But mm. it's it's not so big that it's like so insurmountable that you don't almost take it seriously. Yes, exactly. Anyway, sorry. Yes, I digress. So Nev, <laughs> next oh, story. I? I know, I know, I know. We're having, we're oh, it's having, good. It's like we're having a discussion and everything. It's like it's it like, makes makes a damn good listening. It's like Robles. we're it's like we're grown ups. Yeah. Honestly, it's quite I scary. Know. Yeah. <laughs> well done,
2: Nev. Yes, <laughs> B- battled well. <laughs> uh, right on flight. Global. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, pilots of triple sevens and 787s warned of uh, uh, over pitch guidance modes uh, slip before takeoff. Uh, U.S. safety authorities have cautioned Boeing triple seven and seven eight seven operators over a potential mode confusion during takeoff, which can result in the aircraft departing with the wrong pitch control guidance. Um. Sorry, my screen's just frozen there briefly. Um, incidents have been recorded in which the altitude hold mode of the autopilot flight director system had been erroneously engaged before takeoff. While the US FAA has not identified the specific operators involved, it says the result in one case was an unusually low initial climb rate, whilst another instance triggered trigger don't sink alerts from the uh, aircraft's ground proximity war- warning system. An analysis of the incidents, it says, found that the wrong pitch mode had been activated without the crew's recognition before departure. Once airborne, the crews pressed the takeoff go-around switch to restore proper pitch guidance. The FAA says that the default roll and pitch mode, when the flight director is initially turned on, is takeoff and go-around. Uh, but this pitch mode can accidentally be switched to altitude hold in several ways on both the 777 and the 787. These include inadvertently selecting the altitude hold switch on the mode control panel Or selecting the flight level change or vertical speed switches when the selected altitude is within 20 feet of the barometric altitude. The FAA has also highlighted other particular combinations of actions unique to each aircraft type which can cause the transition during realignment of air data inertial reference systems on the 777 for example. If the aircraft is in altitude hold mode on the ground pressing the takeoff go around switch will have no effect on the pitch mode or guidance. Should the aircraft depart in this mode and the selected altitude on the mode control panel is close to the displayed barometric altitude, the flight director will issue nose-down pitch guidance just after becoming airborne whilst altitude hold latching and takeoff go around behaviors are described in the boeing flight crew operations manual this specific scenario is not explicitly described said the faa in a special airworthiness bulletin it's about this system behavior may not be known to all pilots of these aircraft boeing issued an operator message on the 4th of march in reference to the matter including procedures to restore the correct takeoff go around mode whilst on the ground the faa says operators of the twin jet models should notify crews of the issues and incorporate actions outlined at the earliest opportunity. It adds that crews should maintain situational awareness to ensure that uh, the aircraft is operating in the correct mode for any specific phase of flight. Analysis is underway to assess the altitude hold and take-off go-around logic in other Boeing aircraft, including the 757, 767, 747-400 and 747-8. The FAA says no similar events have been recorded on these types to date.
0: Hmm. Do have to try this on the sim?
2: Uh, yes. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, the 777 and... Um, well, 787 has been around for quite a long time now. Uh, interesting that this has not been picked up before, bearing in mind the number of operators of the 777, at least, um, mm. around the world. It's almost a bit yeah, worrying.
0: Dirk was uh, saying in the chat, I'm actually, uh, was that the Emirates 777 incident? And, yeah, that was um, that was the 777-300 um, that was... Um, I don't know what date that was now, that was flying from Dubai to Washington, Dallas. Um, that had a takeoff from runway du- uh, Dubai's runway 30 right when the aircraft rotated for takeoff past the end of the runway became airborne just at the end of the runway. Uh, safe area, at the aircraft to continue that, that was, um, that was that incident there. We, I think, we, were, we spoke about that on previous episodes, mm. but um,
2: yeah,
0: yeah,
1: indeed. I'll have, to, I'll have to.
0: try that. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm having a. I'm having a day on the uh, sim on Sunday. So I'll, are mm-hmm. you? I'll try that mm-hmm. on a 7.3, Bear in mind, not a triple seven. No. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, next next story, videos to come. <laughs> uh, next, actually, there's always already a comment in there from I think it was Dirk said, "When am I? When am I doing my drunk your drunk video? flight?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It yeah.
0: might be Sunday. Anyway." Uh, this next story comes to us from virgin.com, one mile at a time.com and simple and uh, virgin Atlantic invites you to see the world differently uh, with a new ad campaign. Uh, so with 2022 set to mark a year of stability and recovery, we hope, for airlines across the world, Virgin Atlantic is enjoying welcoming back more and more passengers. To celebrate this, the carrier has taken the opportunity to launch a brand new advertising campaign with the initiative to encouraging us to see the world Differently, The ad which features a cover of Gloria Gaynor's I Am What I Am, performed by Lady Blackbird, is a tribute to the people who make Virgin Atlantic tick. It recognises their individuality, uh, individuality as well as that of its customers. Uh, Virgin Atlantic has also produced a print campaign on the theme of seeing the world differently. This includes a businesswoman saying, I am my own captain. A family arriving for their holidays saying, A crew like no other and a female captain with the line... Born to fly. Virgin is already known for its inclusive and uniform standards, where the airline's employees have freedom when it comes to choosing to wear makeup, as well as offering female crew the choice to wear trousers and flats, as well as skirts and heels. Its VP of Brand Marketing, Annabelle Cordeli, states that it's more important than ever that we reimagine the world and the lead the way with fresh ideas virgin atlantic is uniquely placed to do this because of the rich individuality of our people and our customers after two very challenging years when life has been on pause it's time to see the world differently Virgin said the new campaign is a colorful celebration of the diversity of the world around us of loving every inch yourself and taking pride in what makes you special everyone's welcome on board with virgin atlantic you can be wonderfully unapologetic yourself so
1: that's nice. There we go. It? Yeah, I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. They're, I mean, they are they are they are very good. I've flown with Virgin mm. a few times now. And um, obviously we, we all know a a famous Virgin Atlantic captain. Do we? Uh, who who does, a, <laughs> does a does another podcast. Does he? And uh, oh. yeah. And I I will say that Virgin have all they have always done it right, especially with their mm. um their crew. Their crew's always very, very uh, bubbly and uh, good. So yeah. And uh, hopefully, Armando will be back with us soon. I think he's. Those uh,
1: are the rumors. Those are the rumors.
0: (laughs) Anyway, next story. And uh, blimey, have I got this one as well? I'm very lucky, aren't I? Uh, This uh, is a story, especially for John Jester, uh, because John is uh, our resident 747 pilot. And uh, this one's regarding UPS. This comes to us from flyingmag.com. UPS has received its delivery of its last boeing seven four seven with delivery of the ups uh, final seven four seven AF order Boeing uh, is closing in on the end of production for the historic jetliner that changed aviation forever. Sporting its familiar brown and gold and white livery, UPS Airlines new 747-8 registration November 633 uniform Papa flew on Friday last week from Paynefield near Boeing's plant at Everett, Washington to Louisville, there, the new brown tail joins the UPS fleet at the package delivery company's main hub at UPS Wellport. Uh, the addition of uh, uniform Papa increases UPS's total number of 747s to 41, including 13 747-400Fs and 28 of the Dash 8 variants. That leaves us four open orders for Boeing's last 747s to come off the production line. Those final Dash 8Fs are expected to be delivered to Atlas Air Worldwide later this year, closing the OEM's order books on an iconic model, largely due to the development of more fuel-efficient twin-engine freighters and passenger airlines. Uh, the 747-8 provides UPS with an outstanding combination of payload, range, and a Efficiency, UPS media, media relations director Jim Mayer told flying in an email on Monday. Its capabilities have enabled us to operate non-stop flights from UPS's as Port Hub, in Louisville, Kentucky, non-stop to Dubai, UAE, shaving an entire day from time in transit between North America and the Middle East. One of the largest planes in the world, the 747-8, boasts a maximum payload of about £307,000 and offers was 19% more payload than its uh, predecessor, the uh, 747-400, which was the biggest seller of the 747 variants. The Dash 8 is currently the only commercial freighter in production with nose loading capability, according to Boeing. And production of the passenger variant of the 747 Dash 8 ended in 2017 after Korean Air became the final commercial uh, passenger airline customer to receive delivery of four Dash 8s. And an ident- identified customer took delivery of the final passenger Dash Eight in November last year. Now we know. I think it's the Dash Eight Nev that uh, two of those are being used for the new um, uh, Air Force One. Uh,
2: yes, that's my understanding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I suspect uh, Armando would probably know more about that than uh, than mm. we do. Yes. I think he's uh,
2: he's going to be back with us soon, hopefully. But yes. Uh, Yeah, it's just just a bit of uh, stop press news. Uh, Oh, just come in. Um, You know, our chum uh, Rory Ouskeri. Yes. Helicopter pilot. Uh, and his excellent channel, Rory On Air. Mm. Oh, yes. On YouTube. Yeah. Uh, on his Facebook page, he says, today I passed the biggest test of my flying career so far, the multi-engined instrument rating. I'm absolutely thrilled, it's been, as it's been a challenging couple of months doing ground school, 40 hours in the simulator, my first multi-engine type rating, and now the multi-engine IRH skill test. The next step is to land myself a job, pun intended. Isn't that great news? Oh, well done, Rory. Yeah,
1: yeah, well yeah. done. Yeah, congratulations. Good on you, Rory. Yeah, well yeah. done, sir.
2: That's fantastic news to hear. And he has worked so hard on all this, I know. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's fantastic to hear. Especially with a young family
1: uh, as well. It yeah, you know, yes. requires a very understanding wife, doesn't it? Very
2: much
0: so. So, uh, no, good
2: for you, sir. And yeah. let's have you back on the show. Uh, soon and we can absolutely uh, we
1: can talk, talk, talk more on. about if it. he gets absolutely. time yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. You see, yeah that's going to be the issue isn't it trying to sque- squeeze squeeze <laughs> it in i think into his hectic schedule oh oh good news good news well done yeah, rory congratulations
0: and a great youtube channel as well if you don't already um, yes. follow yeah. him on there yeah right. check him out definitely so matt you've got yes. next story and uh it's it's a special one for those who uh who like to bunk off work and for bunk for us uh for the listeners in the US bunk means to um skive skive or to be lazy at work just be lazy and yeah, not yeah, turn yeah. up to okay. work
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah all right uh, simpleflying.com is that correct am i on the right one it is yeah, yeah? okay simpleflying.com is the website and the headline is jet blue fo- floats one thousand dollars bonus for flight attendants not to call in sick JetBlue is now offering full-time flight attendants a $1,000 bonus if they don't call out until, if they don't call out until May the 31st. According to a company message, flight attendants at JetBlue Airways will be offered a $1,000 bonus if they don't call in sick between April the 8th and the 31st of May. Uh, part-time attendants will be offered £500 if they hit their attendance rate, while staff will also be offered a bonus of $100 for picking up open trips. Uh, the move comes as travel firms worldwide continue to struggle with staffing logistics amid a rebound in travel demand. The bonus scheme comes as JetBlue and other and other American carriers are trying to boost network cap- uh, capacity in uh, to deal with a rebound in air travel demand. The airline has recruited more than 2,300 staff this year, but staffing issues have persisted and have even caused flight cancellations at time last week uh jet boo blue jet boo (laughs) jet boo and (laughs) and spirit airlines cancelled more than 500 flights in a two-day period largely due to poor weather in florida but staffing issues exacerbated the situation ed backlaw who is jet blue's head of customer care and programs said in a memo the spring rewards program comes at a time where every flight makes a difference as hours are time." and staffing levels are not where they need to be airlines have been offering bonuses and increasing their minimum pay as a tight labor market has increased the leverage of workers however pay increases such as at delta's 4% increase in march come at a time when many have seen their wages frozen over the pandemic uh, rising inflation is also reducing the benefit that staff will feel from any pay increase us inflation hit a 40 year high of 7.9% back in February. However, for airlines like JetBlue, rising cost may, may rising costs may work uh, in their favor, making staff more likely to take them up on their offer. Now, I have a couple of issues with this. Um, unfortunately, we, uh, I don't have access to, uh, experienced cabin crew at the moment. Um, but I, I do feel like, um, I I didn't really feel like there there was a culture of being off sick if you were cabin crew um which is sort of really my sort of concern there and the the other element that I'm concerned about in this particular story is that it might make people come to work who aren't when who are, they're Ill, who yeah. are genuinely yeah. not well okay. um you know and I don't, I don't. want to say that, like the COVID word, but you. Oh, God, but, I have but, to drink. No, I know. But if you've got, if you've got a cold, for example, and uh, you you can have a you can you can have a cold and still test negative, and then test positive in a few days. So if you're not wanting to phone in sick because you want this bonus, and you then go on on an airplane and infect everybody else with, I mean, even a cold. It doesn't really matter what it is that no. I'm. I'm really worried that this. Um, you know. Is it Uh, tax-free? I I don't think anything's tax-free. Nev?
2: Well, (laughs) the only thing I would say is Mm. that our very good friend, Captain John Hutchinson, uh, said to me, Nev, remember that uh, cabin crew aren't there to serve you tea and coffee. Mm. They're there for when it all goes wrong Mm. and to uh, help you out of the plane and potentially save your life as well. So um, you've got to have um, crew that are fit and well and able and i think if people do not feel well enough to operate the flight they need to phone in sick um there's no two ways about that um but i i don't i've not heard very many stories at all of people phoning in sick when they're not yeah
1: um indeed
2: but very few i would say (laughs)
0: there's some interesting uh discussions going on in the chat room right now right Um, okay um, from, uh, from Graham Haley, Richard Adams, don't guess. Um, okay. At the moment.
1: Uh, are, are they radio friendly or not? Yeah. Okay, um, on then. um, Graham Haley,
0: uh, Graham, <coughs> Graham Haley, uh, not a fan of this. It, it's a safety critical job. You shouldn't be doing it while, while ill just hmm. to get a bonus. Uh, Richard Adams says, uh, pressurizes them to come in unfit and infect entire passengers and loads. um, Dirk S is saying, Oh, okay. So we'll see loads of sick and contagious JetBlue employees in April. Great
1: well and and that's kind of my point that's that's the bit that sort of worries me a bit as i say mm. I, I i don't know if um people phoning in sick is a uh you know a, a big thing i know it is in customer service roles where people you know like they'll phone in sick because uh, it, it is difficult answering the phone um because you don't know quite what the person is going to be like on the on the other end and so it is very easy to think oh i can't face that right now um but i, I, I you know i i don't see that as uh, you know i i, I I wasn't aware that that was a, a thing, perhaps in cabin crew. I, um, I can remember next week, but a certain company
0: that I used to work for, that Matt knows all too well, had a fan, such a good sick scheme that ringing in sick was a fantastic idea. Well, yes, there is that. Yes, yes, mentioning no names <laughs> no, of companies.
1: Indeed. indeed.
0: Uh, anyway. Any, anyway, yes. <laughs> moving on to the next story, and Nev, we're all fans of that that uh, app uber for getting a taxi are mm. oh, we Probably. speak for yourself no thanks i love it i think it's brilliant
2: <laughs> yes this is well let's have a look and see where this story takes us. It's on the uh, entrepreneur.com and on simpleflying.com uh, it says you'll soon be able to order flights through the uber app the rideshare company announced on Wednesday it plans to become a super app, expanding beyond allowing users to hail cars and trucks to allowing users to book trains, planes and buses in its UK market by the end of the year in a pilot, pun intended, trial. Uh, Jamie Haywood, who's uh, Uber's regional general manager for the UK in Northern and Eastern Europe, said that the project aims to provide a seamless door-to-door experience to its customers <clears throat> the Sa- uh, san francisco-based organization will monitor the pilot project before a wider rolled out rollout in the uk but it's confident of its approach given the data it has access to uh, the company says that around 15 of the trips booked on the app were to the airports in the pre-pandemic years uber wants to capitalize on this trend by combining flight booking and ticketing as well If all goes well, the company plans to expand the service to other markets. You've been able to book rides, bikes, boat services and scooters on the Uber app for a number of years, so adding trains... And Coaches is a natural progression, Uber UK General Manager Jamie Haywood said in a statement uh, to CNBC. Later this year, we plan to incorporate flights and in the future hotels by integrating leading partners into the Uber app to create a seamless door-to-door travel experience. Uber had pilot-tested helicopter charters in the US market in 2019, offering chauffeur rides via the app. To a helipad that would take customers from Manhattan to JFK Airport during select hours on Monday through Friday. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Like. Well.
1: It.
0: Do you do uh, you think, think it'll work? Not around our area. I don't no, think. Matt. No. No. I really. Um, but. Uh, I think if you were if we were talking about London and and Biggin Hill and Farnborough. Um, yeah round Neve's neck of the woods in other words this this would probably work really well but round our our neck of the <laughs> neck, of, our neck of the woods um i don't think the whistle work too um too well
1: yeah i don't be bit, is a bit this, hit and miss is, is there much sort of like private flying i mean is there is there a, a chartered airline like based at norwich for example Oh blimey, they've got me! They used to be. I don't know whether. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking. Um, you know, it's like because it, potentially this could work. You know, sort of almost in any area if it was an area where where somebody flies into. And I suppose you could get into Norwich at any point. I mean, I, don't, I suppose it doesn't really matter where, unless it's time critical. It doesn't really matter where the aircraft Saxon. starts. I think okay. Saxon
0: Air. Yeah. Are they? No, I'm sure Saxon Air travel, uh, fly they, at I th- Norwich.
1: I, I feel like they did helicopters. Yeah, I do. Helicopter. I'm sure I do. Fixed wing as well. Oh, okay, right. No, fair yeah. Enough. But uh, so I suppose in that scenario, it, could, it 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 could work. But then, if you're wanting to charter a plane, I su- I suspect um, money isn't quite the object that perhaps it might be for you and I wanting to to go to Glasgow, for example. <laughs> although, I mean, although sure if- with the
0: state of our roads here in the UK, yeah, and we all know how bad they are because we all travel on the roads around, especially our area where me and Matt live. To get to some places takes so much more longer than it should do realistically. And to, <laughs> if you had the money and the option to 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 do that, to be able to jump on a on a light aircraft and fly yeah. from here A to B, and do it in a quarter of the time, yeah. Um, but
1: it all depends on cost. It does. Yeah. D- Dirk S says, "I'd like to see a C one seven two picking me up at the front door." Um, <laughs> I, I mean, sure. Uh, what could be good? I mean, Ned, I mean, like- obviously, you do a lot of these like little hops um you know and that i mean a lot of that is literally for convenience and time isn't it i mean you could drive it but obviously it's much more efficient to do it that way
2: my main route at the moment is london to edinburgh so it's six and a half hours nearly in the car Mm. um but it's a one hour flight but then you do have to factor in all the other business as well um getting Mm. to the airport yeah Deciding yeah, how many bacon rolls I'm going to have. Of course. I mean,
1: these are very important um, decisions, of course. I, I mean, have
2: they loaded the caviar on for <laughs> All that kind of stuff. <laughs> of course,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, these, these are genuine things. And I suppose, again, I, I mean, uh, be, because of uh, your close proximity to London, for example, uh, it's a lot easier and more cost effective for you to do it say from Heathrow as an example as where if we wanted to do the same thing of course it's a much bigger decision um for us to make yeah. in a perfect world we obviously we go from Norwich um but it is an airport that is rather well known for uh, not having any kind of low cost alternative if you like if you wanted oh, to go God, to no. if you wanted to fly into Edinburgh or anything like that then you know it's uh, it's sort of an interesting one it's but a I'm,
2: real sh- you know it's a real shame isn't it because the obviously the airport does a lot of of uh, maintenance. It does. Uh, it's a very busy airport. Uh, um, but it, 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 there must be a market for for it to serve that part of East Anglia I- into the regions of Scotland, Northern Ireland, yeah. Wales, for example, or, or down to the Southwest of England, you know, Newquay perhaps. Yeah. Something like that. Um,
1: I mean, it used to, I mean, someone I must be able to make it. I, I remember it, I remember looking at it. There what there was a flight that would go from, um, from Norwich to Newquay, for example, but, uh, it was so expensive. I think it was yeah. something silly, like 300 pounds each way. Yeah. You're right there, Matt. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and cause I, I, mean, I, Newquay, was my holiday when I was you know just past driving and and all that kind of thing I mean Newquay was where I liked to I mean I did that for about eight years in a row going down there for the summer um, having, having a, a really lovely time in that. And, you know, sort of, but it is that journey, isn't it? Cause that A30, it doesn't matter what you do. You're just going to grind to a halt when you get to Stonehenge. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to matter what time of day you do it. So we, we did look at it. Um, and that's the thing, I suppose. Although, um, um, long listeners to the show may remember, uh, we had a chat by the name of Will Hayes who came on the show who does oh, a lot yeah. of, um, like flying and stuff like that. And he does a lot of his flying out of Norwich because he does regular flights and when he worked it out it was more it cost him i think i don't think it was it was only like 32 pounds more to go from Norwich directly, well, not directly, but obviously I think it would go from uh, there to Schiphol and then on to where he needed to. Well, I think it's, um, I, I want to say, is it Boston? Uh, Boston I think he has to go into, and Barbados is, off, is often the, the end location. Um, but he found that actually flying from Norwich, time-wise, that it was far more valuable to him, um, you know, to to fly from Norwich because you know it's a much smaller airport you haven't got anywhere near the the security rig rigger to get through if you like o- only not the security's the same but there aren't so many people trying to get through it if you see what i mean so you can yeah. you can uh you can do it in half the time and he found that um you know so he does a lot of flying from norwich to you know via schiphol to to where it is he needs to end up in the world to do his job um but um so i suppose yeah if you're doing stuff like that regularly but uh, it's just you know, it's uh I, I suppose we we quite like a drive, don't we? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Um we haven't got Amanda back. He's 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 gonna be built with us soon, hopefully. Yeah, uh, the end of the commercial uh, next story though is on the AI, online dot and uk charter booking platform focuses on empty legs so a uk-based private charter booking platform is it myra mirai mirai M-I-R-A-I? Marae, I think. Marae. Yeah. Uh, Flights has launched an environmentally friendly program focusing on filling empty leg segments. Uh, the company, which made its debut last year, said it's already saved more than 200 tons of CO2 through booking of empty legs. Marae's artificial intelligence-driven functionality informs users when there is an empty leg that meets their destination preferences and offers it to them with discounts of up to 70% of the standard rates. That's not bad. It's in business class. (laughs) Uh, The flights can then be booked in less than a minute, which is always good. In recognition of its need to expand its user base uh, so that a wider audience is able to order empty leg flights, the company is offering an incentive program for referrals, including commission for business to business partners of two and a half thousand euros. Uh, welcome bonus for new customers and 500 euro reward for existing customers bringing a friend onto the application in 2022 they said we want our new mirai app users to become more actively involved in offers for empty flights and fleet management optimization of connected airlines which will help reduce carbon emissions and even further said eugenie kubrov the company's non uh, non-executive director, uh, he said he believes the education is crucial in making greener choices regardless of the industry, so educating clients as well as greater public about sustainability is Mariah's long-term goal. I have to look this one up, actually, and see what the crack is with that, actually, with this um, uh, empty leg. So if Nev's going off up to Edinburgh, say, uh, next week, if there's a, an empty leg and he can go what, what, do, you, what do you
1: mean we get a cheap flight what, what exactly do you mean in terms of a, of an empty leg though well I sp- uh, no
0: passengers, well,
1: no passengers yeah. yeah right okay so
0: if the aircraft is going up with you know, but, that, but doesn't that gen-
1: then generate an, uh, a knock-on effect because the flight that they were then booked on because they went the day before then means that they've got less hmm. people booked on the, on the other flight i don't you know is it, and because of a lot, some people do book, like, one-way flights, for example. Um, uh, I know I'd yeah. love to. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move
0: on to the next story. Nev, do you want to take the uh, last story uh, Yeah, this is an commercial? interesting
2: one, isn't it? <clears throat> uh, it's on aerotime.aero, and it says... talks about how a Norfolk GP built his own Red Baron Fokker triplane. Oh wow. Uh, So uh, Aerotime met Peter Bruggerman, who's a a 58 year old doctor living in uh, Norfolk in the UK, not far from where you guys are, who spent 10 years building his own replica Fokker triplane which he now pilots around the skies of eastern England. Uh, The Fokker uh, DR1 triplane is uh, Germany's most famous World War One fighter designed by Anthony Fokker and known for its manoeuvrability. Ace pilot Manfred von Richthofen uh, painted his triplane uh, bright red, sorry, painted his triplane bright red, leading him to become known as the Red Baron. Uh, Von (laughs) Richthofen was shot down and killed uh, in his drydecker over France on April the 21st, 1918. The Fokker triplane was obsolete within months, uh, replaced by more modern flying machines. Uh, it's amazing that such a plane can take to the skies more than 100 years after it was first designed uh, at uh, Marvels. The technology is over 100 years old. You couldn't take a 104-year-old car on the motorway today, but this plane can fly. It's amazing. Uh, Brueggemann uh, explains that he acquired a set of technical drawings from the United States and then the Light Aircraft Association in the UK assigned inspectors to check where and how Brickman, <coughs> <excuse> me, <coughs> was building his aircraft, including his plans to build the wings in his double garage and what materials he was using. Fellow World War One aircraft enthusiasts helped him out with tips and information. I was always quite good at DIY, he said, but I had a lot to learn. Uh, I started building it before I even had my pilot's license. It's just uh, just the fascination of it. For example, he had to learn how to shape plywood and develop sewing skills to stitch the fabric skin of the aircraft around the frame, and all whilst working in a full-time job, maintaining family life and learning how to actually fly. While the aircraft from the outside looks exactly the same as it would have done more than 100 years ago, uh, Brueggemann has made some modifications in a nod to the 21st century. Uh, the Norfolk Doctor, or Baron von Brueggemann, has added a modern radio and transponder to meet the airspace requirements for nearby Norwich Airport. He also uh, built in a more modern electric fuel gauge and even a mobile phone holder, which allows him to use <laughs> navigation apps whilst flying, something that was certainly not around in 1917. Um, the plane also has an extra engine supports for the 180 brake horsepower Lycoming four-cylinder en- uh, engine uh, back in the day the Fokker triplane was powered by a rotary engine with around 110 horsepower uh, Brueggemann currently has about 15 hours in the single seat triplane and yes with only one seat you can't have an instructor help you out the first time you go flying this means your first flight is also your first solo in the aircraft. <laughs> uh, Brueggemann who also flies Cessna aircraft with his PPL therefore took lessons in a tiger moth to get used to the handling and characteristics of vintage aircraft unlike modern light aircraft there is no trim function to help with stability in the air meaning that the pilot has to constantly check the attitude and make sure the plane is pointing where it is supposed to. Despite these challenges, Ruggeman lights up as he describes how it feels to fly the Fokker triplane. It's amazing how it flies, he says. The agility in the air and the speed. The flying is fantastic. Goodness me!
0: What a we're going to have to uh, keep our eyes open, Matt, because this is an aircraft we're not going to miss. Right guys,
1: okay. Around here, I challenge you on that. Uh, I I am. I bet I I can. I'm going to (laughs) be definitely
0: looking out for this guy flying over over here. Well, um, that's, that's well done,
1: you. It'd be, it'd be nice uh, if he's got an ads out actually, wouldn't it, Nev, if he's got that? Uh, yes. Aircraft, yeah, actually, true. Uh, it'd be he, handy. he might He might well do, to be fair, especially if he's adhering to um, Norwich Airport's rules and regulations, you know, if he's mm-hmm. made modif- modifications in that term. Where would you get power from from that? Or would it just be an on-board battery? I mean, would you be able to charge it while in the air? It, it depends whether he's got an alternator with it on at, well, the, yeah. to the engine or not,
0: because or, uh, a lot of um, guys with the sports kind of little, the sport like kind of sports mm. aircraft. There's, there's a couple at uh, Beckles um, who don't have power, have to rely on um, a battery pack yeah. to power their um you know, bits and pieces external on external devices price. and stuff yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean if, if you're not trying to do anything clever and it's all sort of low power stuff then I mean you know a 12 volt battery um, will, will last sort of 10-12 hours won't it if it, if you're not drawing much uh, a uh,
3: Lycoming O360 will have an alternator mostly. oh very good there yeah. we go look
1: he's he's back. back everyone we, <laughs> we <are. laughs> thank goodness for that
3: <laughs> what, what
0: did did, did you uh, get a chance to see that aircraft um, Armando when yeah. it flashed up on the screen yeah S-
3: super cool yeah. yeah, you know what? And right now I'm on this biplane kick anyways, where I got a chance to fly a Skybolt not too long ago. And uh, after the Stearman, now these kind of uh, metal trellis frame and uh, fabric aircraft I'm super on board with. What a cool looking airplane, huh? But yeah, like he said in the article, uh, you're, you're immediately a test pilot as soon as you start taxing the airplane because well, yes. you have no idea how it's going to behave. <laughs> No
1: idea what it's going to do. If it's going to work. If it's you know all of the above. Yeah.
0: <laughs> De- yeah. Definitely going to be keep my eyes open for that. Hopefully, I'll be able to see get some good pictures of that. If I uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Ones. If it's anywhere nearby, yeah, definitely. So moving on swiftly
0: with uh, the next part of the show then, and it's uh, that uh, time of the show where we talk about our caption this just for fun Uh, very good Yes. those of you follow us on facebook will know that on a wednesday i put up a little picture on our facebook page and we ask you listeners you amazing listeners to uh, comment on the picture give us your funniest caption and uh, this week again it's been an absolutely blinding week with so many people coming on the picture it's uh, becoming a bit of a um that's good a a segment this uh, that's what we like to hear yes Uh, So, Matt, if you want to pop up the picture on the uh, screen and uh, Armando, if you could uh, fill us in for our audio listeners, uh, what's going on on
3: this picture? Uh, Family show, Carlos, family show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, let's see. (laughs) I I guess I could only describe it as a Piper uh, Cherokee uh, mounting, mounting Cessna 172. Um, I, I, I don't know how this this is, uh, situation transpired Go ahead Matt is this how they make baby planes is that is that what is that what's happening here? Well I guess let's just let's just wait to see what the what the caption this says because I, I feel like there's a theme uh coming on right
1: okay indeed that's what cheat said okay on, nev. So, nev. Kick, kick us off nev kick us off.
2: This is from Steve. He says we've heard about the nose gear failure technique for an Airbus A320. Now here's the technique for a nose gear failure for a Piper. Time your landing flare to settle gently onto that nearest serviceable Cessna, making <laughs> full use of its nose gear to steer safely to a stop. Note that main gear brakes will be inoperative.
1: Of course, uh, that's that's a given. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Uh, Wm uh, Draper says, "So that's how
1: they reproduce." Oh, I see what ah they do. Here, yeah. they yeah. here they come, here they come. Bob Harris says, "Gary, the mechanic from Romford Secondhand Cars, offered to do the conversion to a twin engine for just six hundred pounds cash." <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Stuart Thompson says. Well, the Civil Aviation Authority relaxes its social distancing rules. Quite, yes, (laughs) indeed, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
2: Kevin Murphy, a good friend of mine, says, uh, thanks for the lift, Joe. (laughs) And uh, Ian Hodgkinson
1: says mating season at PTU. I'm not quite sure what that's got to do with <laughs> us. But anyway, there mm. we go. Uh, Ian Johnson will gloss over that and move on. Ian Johnson <laughs> says uh, practicing for space shuttle program. That's oh, a good, see, that's I a like good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I, actually I like quite one. like that one. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs>
3: Stephen Patterson is channeling his inner nev saying, you can't park that there. Watch the alloys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Stuart Thomas uh, says the new Piper Cub 380 makes it closer to final production. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, that's good. And uh, our very own Peter Collins, who was at our 400 show, he says, and they say romance is dead.
1: Indeed. Oh, oh isn't that nice? Stuart Th- Thomas is uh, referring to the current uh, fuel crisis that we have here, have here saying pilots <laughs> taking drastic measures to save money on rising fuel costs. <laughs>
3: Why do I always get the David Attenborough ones? (laughs) I'm going to defer to Nev on this one. He's got the voice.
2: (laughs) Come on, Nev. Thank you. Uh, In a David Attenborough voiceover... And here we see the most unusual sighting and rare mating of two aircraft. <laughs> the process is cumbersome, but somehow they make it right. Okay, good, lovely, oh excellent, my very word. well done. Very, very Alan well Wicker, done. Yeah. Hey.
0: Uh, David Cavanaugh uh, says he's not heavy. He's my brother. The Holly's new private plane. Right. Okay, John uh, Jester. John,
3: yeah, go on. Uh, John Jester says, "Was it good for you?"
1: Neil Draper says, and that's how Piper Cubs are made. There we go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Ralph (laughs) Kelly. Ralph Kelly uh, says, eight months
0: later, they had a brand new bouncing baby hang glider. I'm noting a theme. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. here. Our friend uh, Alan White says, uh, two for one landing fees. Terms and conditions apply.
3: That's a good point. That is a good point. And finally, Armando, take the last one, please. Uh, Sean Taylor says, an affordable twin rating is now actually available. Well, this is true. This is <laughs> It is true. <laughs> I mean, it seems to have worked, doesn't it? Oh, Absolutely. Can, can I can I do one from the chat room? Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Do, go do, go do, go do. go go. Richard Adams says, is that your pedo tube? <laughs> oh no. That's <laughs> If you're that. listening to the audio version of this, you need to go check it out.
1: No. Oh, that's
3: dear. awful.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, there are a few, <laughs> a few comments in the chat. Well, do a few more of it, and then and then we must take oh, a quick break. Uh, Richard uh, Richard Adams, actually, that's crossbreeding new Cessna Sky Cub. Crossbreeding, oh, like oh, honestly, yeah, it's good. Good, I like that one. Um, and Neil Lamour says, "Airbus's early attempts at a double-decker airliner were crude at best."
3: <laughs> James out in uh, in Albuquerque says. I just watched a special about small craft reproduction on national geographic channel yesterday. Right. <laughs> okay.
0: So uh, we're going to say a big thanks to everyone who commented on the picture this yeah. week or oh, so many people, honestly, so many people. Thanks to everyone. Don't forget next Wednesday, hopefully there'll be yet another comical picture going up on our Facebook yeah. page. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, don't forget to go over to our social medias and give us a little follow. So we are, uh, going to be back with some military news aren't we Matt um yeah. after after this yeah.
2: well uh welcome to our london studios uh welcome to the A320 lounge uh, webinar uh tech presentation um obviously for the 320 series
0: welcome to the A320 and 737 lounge bringing technical
1: refresher courses directly to you Using our cutting-edge broadcasting facilities, enjoy a fully interactive technical refresher course from the comfort of your own home. All of our webinars are live, and you can ask your instructor a question at any point during the day. All of our instructors are highly experienced and can help you. No more expensive nights away from home, no new software required, just an internet connection. Courses are run at regular intervals, so check out A320 Lounge and 737lounge.com for more details. Discover the pioneers of speed and adventure at one of the UK's most iconic museums. Whether it's a tour of the legendary Concorde, a walk around the Brooklands Aircraft Factory, or maybe a behind-the-scenes look at the McLaren Automotive Cars, the Brooklands Museum has it all. Based at Weybridge in Surrey, it's the perfect day out for all the family. We can also host your private function or meeting in one of our amazing event suites. With so much to see and do, come and take a look at Great Britain's history of speed and flight. Find out more by going to www.brooklandsmuseum.com or give us a call on 01932-857-381. That's 01932-857-381.
3: And we're back. Matt, if you think, you die. He's too close, I'm switching to guns. Hit the button. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> 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 Panic, he won't go. Here
1: we go. We're, we're, it's all good. We're off.
3: What's up, buggies. One, three, five, fifty, angels, sixteen. Heading uh, three, four, zero. Uh, OK, 100 seat
1: I don't have the power to do it that quickly. Goodness me.
3: <laughs> well, I love it, Matt. I think we just established that you are goose in this situation here. <laughs> Panicking, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Our military fans will appreciate that. Um, so, listen, this first story is uh, from a couple different sources. This is something that we've been talking about since actually it kind of materialized a couple years ago, which was this contract uh, adversary air or contract red air um, where some of these civilian companies are, you are picking up some some retired fighter jet aircraft and then using them to train uh, current military pilots. Um, this, so the first part of the story comes to us from aviationist.com, and it's uh, the company Draken, which uh, we've talked about quite a bit on the show, is actually going to start providing uh, Red Air services to the Royal Air Force, as they have been for the U.S. Air Force. Um, According to a statement, the L-159s will take over the aggressor role for the recently retired fleet of uh, T-1 Hawks. Um, The RAF just awarded a six-year contract uh, for Drakken to provide aggressor aircraft to support the training of Typhoon and F-35 pilots uh, replicating the tactics, techniques, and procedures of potential adversaries. This is the first such contract placed in the United Kingdom, although a similar service is currently being del- delivered by Drakken uh, to contract or by contractors to the U.S. Air Force in the United States. Uh, Air Commander Townsend from the RAF said this is a new and exciting capability and it increases the quality of operational training by improving the currency capability and survivability of our combat In combat of our lightning and typhoon fighter pilots, we will enhance the potency of the UK's combat air capability. The contract was delivered through competition from inception to contract signature in an exceptionally short timescale of only six months. It is, according to the RAF, timely, affordable, deliverable, and provides the uh, the Ministry of Defense with an excellent value for the money. Uh, beginning in July, Draken Europe will use these L 159 Honey Badgers uh, to provide simulated airborne threats as part of these uh, what they're calling an interim Red Air Aggressor Training Service, or IRATS, because uh, we love our acronyms, right? Uh, the capability was previously provided uh, by the recently retired Hawk T1s. Uh, as mentioned by the RAF, the L 159E specifically delivers a capability enhancement over the Hawk through increased endurance and air-to-air radar and a radar warning receiver, which we can talk about totally on a different show. Um, beginning in July, in Europe will uh, use these aircraft. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm kind of trying to summarize the story here, but uh, the CEO of in Europe, Paul Armstrong, said uh, that they've been entrusted by the UK government to deliver the world's most techni- technologically advanced operational readiness training to the RAF and the Royal Navy for many years. Our team takes very seriously the the nationally significant role that they have in training military personnel from the UK and its strategic allies, providing a range of multi-platform effects using next-generation technologies. We are proud to be bringing an entirely new capability to the UK defense sector, especially so at a time when geopolitical events have brought into sharp relief the need for our armed forces personnel to be trained effectively to defend themselves from attack. Uh, so there you go. This contract for now uh, was an art, uh, announced on March 28th, and it will cover a three-year time period. Uh, here in the U.S., this con- this kind of uh, red air thing has um, alleviated the uh, operational tempo of some of our squadrons that are traditionally uh, red air or aggressor aircraft uh, and kind of making the segue to that from the drive.com for some strange reason, after years of uh, praise, and as we we're saying, it's been helping the U.S. Air Force uh, fulfill a huge training gap in its most prestigious training installation, which is the weapons school at Nellis Air Force Base, air Force Base um, Draken, the same company, uh, their support to the U.S. Air Force is supposed to come to an end in June. Um, as it sits right now, Nellis Air Force Base will not execute an option to renew its adversary air program. The US, they call it Adair or Adair or some version of that. Um, They're not going to renew this contract for uh, any other years with Draken International. The private company is obviously, as we're talking about, one of the largest in this fast growing marketplace. And they have a, a large mix of aggressor aircraft. Including everything from the aforementioned straight-winged L-159 Honey Badgers to radar-equipped A4 Skyhawks, and as we've talked about, unfortunately, because of the last a couple of mishaps that have happened recently, some uh, retired Mirage F1s. Draken has been flying at Nellis Air Force Base since the inception of this contract Red Air program, um, but uh, unfortunately, this is going to come to an end. At uh, on June 4th, 2022, at the end of the contract. It's a little bit startling uh, considering that uh, U.S. Air Force, U.S. Navy assets are, are a little bit strained right now. We have the, the situation, the security situation in Europe is kind of boiling uh, up. So with all the 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 need for aerial threats and and these large scale exercises, everybody's just a little bit perplexed as to why now the Air Force has decided to not renew this this contract um draken i think we talked about on on a different show they're actually waiting for a, a batch of surplus dutch f-16s um they're arriving very soon according to some of the media social media out there uh, possibly by the end of this month and um but i but i think the norwegian authorities have paused that because of the, situ- the situation in europe so i think the transfer of those f-16s to this private contractor is, is probably going to be on hold um at least through the duration of, of the conflict in Europe. So there you go. So UK is getting this contract red air and the U S for some reason is, uh, is not renegotiating the contract. That's not to say that there's, there's other providers out there. So maybe they're just going to go with a, a lowest, a better deal. maybe.
1: deal, maybe
3: Yeah. And perhaps somebody is, is advertising different capabilities, maybe different radars, different tactics, different trained pilots, um, more reliable aircraft maybe the the mishaps with the two mirages you know kind of m- made the u.s air force think twice about renewing the contract so um we we probably won't know this the contracting world is a really interesting quirky one but uh, there you go at least you guys over there in the uk are, are going to get this this capability with with uh, contract aircraft so i'm sure Jonathan Warner is going to be out there on the at the end of many runways trying to get a, a glimpse of some of these L-159s.
1: Where do you think that picture came from in the middle of the
3: story? <laughs> ah, there you go. Gosh. There you go. Look. There you go. That guy... He just doesn't disappoint, With does he? Special
1: markings. He, we're playing a new game at the moment, you see, because um, uh, I'm not telling him what story's coming up next. And his challenge is to try and get me a photograph of whatever it is that you're talking about, because he understands what you're talking about. Uh, to oh, try and get, to try and get it to me and on air before you finish the start reading the story. We're having a great game between us. To be fair, he's he's but, winning so far.
3: <laughs> and not only that, he showed up right in time for the military. He's not even. I don't even know if he listens he to the rest. He of the show. doesn't care
1: about the commercial. He couldn't give two hoots about that. He's not in. <laughs> (laughs) off if that's
3: one of these days i'm gonna i'm gonna make the military all commercial i'm just going to talk about airbus and boeing and jonathan warner is just gonna (laughs) and he'll switch off yeah absolutely no we wouldn't (laughs) we wouldn't do
1: that no we wouldn't no absolutely
3: (laughs) anyway carlos i think you got the next story
0: you're on mute sir Hopefully, I'm not on mute. Yeah. Uh, This one comes to us from flightglobal.com and uh, UK military training provider Affinity Trial Zero Emission Velis Electro. So, Affinity Flying Training Services has spent around four months evaluating Pipistrel's all electric Velis Electro ultralight aircraft with multiple flights conducted as part of an ongoing sustainable aviation pathfinder activity for the uk ministry of defense is it me or is the ministry of defense going green all of a sudden uh, so announcing the development on the 13th of april elbert systems at uk kbr joint venture affinity said it's supporting the uk ministry of defense on a series of battery-powered flights to assess environmentally friendly alternatives for future military flying So flight and safety assurances were developed during the summer of 2021, according to Elbit Systems UK. The activity was performed by Affinity in conjunction with the UK Civil Aviation Authority, which was certified the VELIS Electro. This work was followed by a a first phase of flight staged from Diamonds Hall, Essex, between December and January. Uh, phase two commenced in March 2022 and saw the aircraft join Affinity's existing fleet at RAF Cranwell, where up to 20 additional pilots will fly the eco-friendly aircraft. So, Flight Radar 24 records two-seat aircraft Gulf Oscar Victor Lima Sierra having. He conducted several flights from uh, RAF Air Force's bases in Lincolnshire last month. Imagery released by Affinity also shows an aircraft carrying the registration Golf Oscar Echo Kilo Oscar also having been involved in the project. The flight's aim to help the Royal Air Force assess the technology of electric aircraft and determine their potential use in military service and realise the net-zero ambitions of the service's Astra campaign. The company is responsible for delivering uh, pilot instruction under the auspices of the UK Military Flight Training System, or UK MFTS, program, operating fleets of 23 Grob aircraft, the G120TPs, uh, 14 Beechcraft T6Cs and 5 Embraer Phenom 100s since commencing services in delivery in 2016 these assets have been delivered a combining 38,000 flying hours of instructions it says the concept of trialing zero mission aircraft and the subsequent Pathfinder was proposed uh, to the Ministry of Defence by Affinity, according to the company, while propo- uh, pointing to its track record of delivering innovative procurement and maintenance services. The Royal Air Force has previously outlined an ambition to acquire the emission-free type to deliver future elementary flying training services via an actively named Project Tellem. It also, last November, conducted its own trial with Icarus C-42 Ultralights, using its 100% synthetic aviation fuel during a sortie flown from Cotswold Airport in Kemble, Gloucestershire. Affinity says it sourced Vellis Electros fire fly about aviation, with maintenance activities having been performed in partnership with Eastern Airways. Affinity's Managing Director, Ian Chalmers, said Affinity and its shareholders are proud and excited to be part of the Sustainable Aviation Pathfinder and in doing so, supporting the Royal Air Force and UK Ministry of Defence to move closer to their net zero targets. It's, he says, it's our ambition to continue to promote innovation and sustainability in our work in both the military and government." in which we operate. BAE Systems last month also announced it was acquiring a single example of the 600-kilogram uh, uh, or 1,320-pound Vellis Electro to support flight test activities and its Wharton site in Lancashire from later on this year. It's also entered into a collaboration with Pipistrel to explore future de- military applications for electric aircraft technologies. Now, obviously, we're not going to have electric aircraft doing um fighter or uh, fast jet or fast training or flying training but as a as a training uh aircraft training tool aircraft for students to use i think it would um this would probably be a good idea armando
3: oh yeah this is a fantastic idea I think uh, especially the Danish Air Force has been doing this for a while now. They've yeah. had a great success. I think the some Eastern European Air Forces out in that uh, Slovakia, Slovenia region have been using electric aircraft as, as their uh, initial trainers. I think this is a great idea. This is, um, you know, wh- whether it's a sustainment effort, whether it's a, a fuel emissions, carbon emissions type thing, um, either way. This is the the perfect kind of uh, scenario that we've been talking about over the show over the last couple of years for electric aircraft, right? It's a it's an hour flight that is introducing basic aircraft maneuvers. You could, I'm sure, you could even do formation initial formation training with this. Um, lots of pattern work. I, I I think this is exactly the the perfect role for an electric aircraft. Um, you know obviously there's some big advances that we're following in the industry as far as commercial aircraft go and, and for sort of A to B, but flying around the pattern, you know you get an alarm saying that hey, you're almost out of juice, put it on the ground, uh, super safe and and then the next you know swap out some batteries and and the next crew takes it up. So I, I think this is this is great. Uh, the US Air Force has been testing some electric aircraft, but I, I just don't think they're quite there yet, so mm. very much in a test phase. So, Nev, uh, do you want the next nice little short
0: story for you, Nev, for the next one?
2: That's very kind of you. Uh, On the registerherald.com. It says that uh, divers recover Navy plane that crashed off Virginia coast. Uh, this is in uh, Wallops Island in Virginia. Navy divers have recovered an aircraft that crashed last month in the water off the eastern shore near the Virginia-Maryland Virginia, line, killing one sailor. The E2D Hawkeye was conducting routine flight operations in the vicinity of Wallops Island, uh, Virginia, when it went down around 7.30 p.m. On March the 30th, a Navy spokesman said one of the three sailors on the plane died in the crash whilst the uh, other two were rescued by Maryland State Police who found them injured and on top of the partly submerged wreck the plane which is an, an advanced uh, tactical airborne early warning inc- uh, aircraft is based out of naval station norfolk and assigned to an east coast airborne uh, command and control squadron uh, the virginian based reported uh, reported that sorry the 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 Virginian pilot reported that to recover the plane on Tuesday, the Navy called on divers from Little Creek's Mobile Diving and Salvage Unit 2, which specialises in salvage and the recovery of underwater objects. Divers cut the aircraft into sections, put them each into a sling, which was lifted by a crane onto barges, which carried those sections out of the area. The crash remains under investigation. Gosh, that's quite a moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously very sad that someone lost their life uh, in this incident as well. I'm
0: guessing, Armando, that the, with this particular type of aircraft, being what it, well, it it does have some sensitive equipment on board, they weren't just going to leave this there.
3: Oh, absolutely. And and uh, uh, so we, John Jester, so now we've mentioned his name three times on the show, which means now he's got to... <laughs> come on the show right uh, good like Dor- it's like Dorothy with the heels yes of course um, so John <laughs> John Jester is from I was gonna go with area. Beetlejuice but whatever you want to hear. <laughs> uh, Dorothy Beetlejuice sort of thing it's the wrong um, way around it should have been me doing the heels joke let's <laughs> so so John you know was kind enough to let us know that this is where the uh US Navy does their carrier qualifications and their carrier training in this particular aircraft and um, I saw a bunch of notes online on social media. Some people were speculating that one of the engines, uh, the propellers, looked feathered, so kind of a suspect uh, engine failure with with maybe um, a difficult time maneuvering the aircraft back back to the land. I, I don't think they were that far off the. Uh, I mean, they were just a couple hundred feet off the the land. Yeah. So. Either way, the aircraft was going to be recovered one way or another. I don't think it was in any kind of security um, situation or in danger of security. It probably happened right off the, the end of the runway at the base anyway, where the U.S. Navy regularly patrols with their, with their um, small security boats. But, yeah, I mean, they were going to recover it anyways to probably try to figure out what it is that happened with it.
1: Yeah, indeed.
3: indeed. Um,
0: do you want to take the last story, Armando? Because it's quite a, quite a kind of a historical story.
3: Yeah, this uh comes to us from forces.net. Uh producer John threw this one in there. I think it's awesome. The epic task of restoring a World War two Lancaster to flight. Uh so this 10-year project at a Lincolnshire Aviation Heritage Center is underway to return the World War two Lancaster bomber to the air. Uh it's named Just Jane. Uh the Lancaster, as we know, was one of the most versatile bombers in uh, In World War II and and brought about a change in Bomber Command's tactics and the ultimate success in the war. Uh, This aircraft, Just Jane, arrived at Lincolnshire Aviation Heritage Center in 1988, and restoring her to flight has been the biggest project the museum has ever undertaken. In this family-run center, the aircraft is more of a family member than a museum exhibit. Uh, That's according to the center itself, uh, to the general manager and resident Lancaster taxi pilot, Andrew Panton. and I—I I know, guys. We've we've all been to Duxford and we've seen Sally B mm. uh, sitting there in the hangar. And and doesn't that that statement just make sense? Because it's not just an exhibit mm. to have this this kind of B seventeen Lancaster flying or potentially flying aircraft. It really does add uh, a little bit of soul to the museum. Um, so that's that's what's going on here in in this particular. Mr. Panton said that uh that's uh there's <laughs> there's that saying of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and we look <laughs> at the whole project uh as a whole and it looks like a massive undertaking and a big deal but actually when you break it down to pieces it's quite easily done um mr patton also h- uh, highlights that it's fairly standard and simple aircraft but it's just very big which is probably an understatement <laughs> Um, So restoring just Jane to flight obviously is going to take many years. This uh, has left the museum with a problem Uh, during the summer months. She earns her keep uh, the aircraft by taxing tourists up and down the runway with the revenue from that funding the restoration. Um, So she can't just be taken out of action for years at a time during the summer months because they need the money from. She's a good
1: source of income, essentially, isn't she? Exactly.
3: So basically, that leaves them only the winter time to work on the aircraft. Um, There's a contact in France that that provided them with some old wings. A crushed rear fuselage came from Yorkshire. Um, Bit by bit, these folks up there have been uh, fixing the aircraft, putting it back together with donated parts, uh, switching them onto this aircraft just so that she can still operate. And then, of course, restoring the original parts and then swapping them back. Um, eventually she'll be fully restored without missing a season and uh, if you guys want to follow this journey uh, go to andrew pantons that's p-a-n-t-o-n instagram where he posts updates on the uh, restoration effort of this beautiful 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 aircraft what a great picture there too Uh, i'll give
1: you one guess where that came from oh um hmm. War, warneth and warneth and jonah that's the one yeah well done yeah well yeah. played yeah indeed indeed what a, do you yeah. know i genuinely uh sorry i'm gonna put it back uh, genuinely i think that's one of the nicest photographs i swear i've ever seen of an aircraft
3: hmm. yeah that's one of those that we'd love to have um uh, uh- I need, no. Get, no, I need to get I need to get that no, printed no. up and
1: put on, you know, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, not not Kablamo, no, no, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Now I definitely um, I, I feel I want to sort of blow that up and put that in a frame. That is such a beautiful photo. That is nice, yeah,
0: yeah, That is very nice. Indeed.
3: So I, I I will say before we end the military segment and the show that Dirk S put in the chat room that his wife is going to take. I saw that a flight in a Mig fifteen in May. Oh wow, uh, Dirk. Make sure to shoot us a note to our PTUK WhatsApp yeah, yeah. so we may be able to do some kind of uh, show interview or something while you're there. We'll get you on mm. a FaceTime call. We can record get a, it. Get so us some dates and stuff. Let's, um, let's see if uh, – because I think that would be amazing. Well, yeah. I would love to, from afar – be part of that and, right. and perhaps if your wife doesn't mind we can we can do a little segment on the show because that's a pretty unique experience right there
1: indeed absolutely uh, actually while we've got you there as i've been having some problems with the whatsapp number so apologies for those that have been messaging we've had several come through i'm just going to work my way through those very quickly first of all uh you're uh, a compliment from mark uh as always uh, military is great info thanks armando uh, can you ask him what aircraft he would like to fly if he had the chance I'm interested to know if the answer has changed from when we last There spoke. isn't any, because Armando's flown everything. <laughs> He's flown them all, yeah. Oh, no. Do we have um, a new favourite? Have you, have
3: you sort of stumbled across something that sort of… No, my uh, my wish list of, of of aircraft to fly is pretty short. If I were to pick a commercial aircraft, it would be a Constellation, okay. a Lockheed Constellation. And yeah. for, a, for a military aircraft, I've always wanted to fly an A-26 Invader. That that hasn't changed since I was a kid. I had models of A-26. (laughs) It was a very unique aircraft, super fast, great missions. Um, I got to sit in one in Mount Pleasant, Texas at the Mid-America Air Museum. Uh, but that's one aircraft that I would love to take around for a spin, a military aircraft.
1: Well, if anybody uh, out there in, in podcast land uh, knows how we can make that happen, do please let us know. I think we'd have a very, very excitable, uh, a very exci- excitable Armando if we were able to do that. I'm just going to do one other bit that's come in uh, via WhatsApp, if I, if I may. I know we need to start wrapping up. Tell you what, that Lockheed up.
0: Constellation is one of those aircraft that used to always get hundreds of people around at Farnborough. And Did it? The, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Did everyone, it. everyone used to love that aircraft. I'm not surprised.
3: Literally spits fire out the engines. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. Indeed,
1: absolutely. And uh, we're just going to uh, pay a brief homage, if we may. I mean, obviously, we were all very sad when we heard about the um, uh, when we heard about the uh, Antonov. Obviously, that uh, sort, of, oh, it the was sort of Yeah, when it was sort of confirmed that it was uh, not. Uh, not around anymore shall we say and uh, this is coming by whatsapp from um uh, i if my memory serves i think it was alex wasn't it? alex robinson uh very kindly sent me this as i'm say, i having problems with it so they're all names that are supposed to be on there or not but i'm pretty sure this was alex robinson and he was saying that he took these photographs uh uh, they were they were a work trip that he took to visit uh, antonov at the hostmel airport in ukraine back in 2019 at the time the Antonov were moving away from Russian tire supply, so we were out there to see uh, to see how they were getting on with our products. Oh wow, how cool is that? Uh, I did mean uh, I did it did mean sorry, getting up close and personal with an Antonov one two four, which was absolutely that amazing. Is damn cool! That's a quite cool. That's a lot of tires as well.
3: <laughs> That yeah, an and awful. it looks like the same facility that, that the 225 was destroyed in.
1: Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It certainly, certainly does. I mean, well, yes. Yeah, so uh, th- thanks for sharing that with us, uh, Alex. Really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, that's all I have from, uh, from the listeners. Great. Mr Bounds, would you
0: like to uh, inform our listeners of where they need to go when they want to find out more stuff about uh, the show?
2: Yes, on the social medias, it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just search for Plain Talking UK. Uh, if you want to send us a WhatsApp message or picture, uh, it's plus 44 757 that's plus plus forty four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Uh, the email address for the studio is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Always like to hear your thoughts and comments. And the website is www.plaintalkinguk.com You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, of course uh, and just search for Plain Talking UK on there. You can also use our website where there is an Amazon link. So if you want to see your Amazon shopping there, we get paid a small referral fee as well also on the website you can become a patreon as so many people have done just click the link to uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com and you will see it there
0: yes and we uh, we hope you enjoy uh, looking at the website because it's it's lovely it's gorgeous yeah. and done a good job of that
1: yeah, it needs a bit of work actually because we've got still got a couple of modules that aren't working properly for some oh, reason we- but anyway hmm. yes I will get that, yes. John keeps keeps telling me off every time he looks at the website. So we've got a few minutes before
0: we need to wrap up. So quick round, Robin, with the team. We'll start with Nev first. Nev, what's going on in the world of Nev
2: next week? Uh, Next week, I am not doing any flying, but I am over at the UAE, uh, sorry, UAE. Uh, yes UEA, U-E-A, isn't U-E-A. It? Yeah, University, yeah. University ah, of East U-E-A. Anglia yeah absolutely in uh, Norwich in your part of the world oh. for three days next week which sadly means that I won't be back in time to do the show uh, unfortunately oh. I be. Oh. travelling so not, back not- from Norwich as uh, say on a Friday so not night
1: not only are you going to be in our part of the world uh, with yeah. no time to see
2: us but it mm. also means <laughs> honestly
1: it's, i mean how rude it's
2: a tragedy isn't <laughs> it it is really actually is. a genuine tragedy so yeah. i'm sorry about that chaps um, so uh, but no it's going to be a hectic week uh, next week and then the following week it's uh, dundee edinburgh lots of flying again and lots of customer visits again so, my goodness uh, yes it's a couple a busy couple of weeks busy busy ahead.
0: There'll be a point to be flying everywhere that week. <laughs> ah, that yeah, as usual. They will be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Smith, what's uh, Mr. Smith up to next? Any um, outside broadcasting going
1: on? No, 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 no. Hopefully that's all pretty much come to an end for a little while so I can have a bit of a rest now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just a just a quiet week, just working normal, normal shift this, uh, this, this week coming. Uh, I've got to do a bit of work, unfortunately, over Easter uh, as part of the delivery team as one of my responsibilities while somebody's on holiday. Um, but, yeah, back to work next week. Uh, all, all uh, normal, just sort of doing a 8, thir- eight till 4.30. Nice.
0: Excellent. Mm. Sounds good. I am, uh, well, as you know, it's bank holdy here, so we've got Monday off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm off to Doncaster on, on Tuesday. A nice little nice. trip to Doncaster, which will be interesting, to Amazon's Fulfillment Centre, so that'll be fantastic to see what that place is like. Yeah, bet. Um, so yeah, get, get out of the county for a, for a little bit, so that'll be quite nice, and then back in the office the rest of the week hopefully. Yeah. But uh, that's me. Anyway, Armando, I, was, I dread to think how much flying you're going to be doing next yeah. week.
3: Yeah, let's of, lots of spring break here in the U.S. So uh, I think tomorrow I'm in Charlottesville. If anybody in the chat room just happens to be in Charlottesville, I'm going to be spending the entire day there. Uh, but by the time the audio podcast comes out, you've missed me. Um, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Sunday, Sunday I'll be in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, next Wednesday, I'll be the in the Hawker in Tampa. And then uh, actually next weekend, uh, so I'll be on the show next Friday. But then Saturday, I go off to Denver to flight safety, and I'll get spun up and a recurrent on the PC-12NG, which is the next generation uh, aircraft. <laughs> nice. Along, along with my six-month check ride. Uh, oh. So. D- yeah, d- d- so. I- I'm amazed you still have to do them. <laughs> every pilot has to do it every six yeah. months. There we go. This is. Yeah. I, I think I've mentioned this before. This is the only industry where every six months to a year somebody's trying to take your job from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <amazing>. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, ain't that the truth? Anyway, we're, we we we're, we're rapidly running out of time. We need to.
0: So that is what we're going to bring episode four hundred and seven to a close. Big thanks to all the chat room for joining us this evening. Thank you to everyone in the chat room, and a big thanks to all the people who download us and listen to us as an audio show. Thank you to you all. So that's it. Tune in next Friday. Well, we'll be back with another show to entertain you all on a Friday evening. So from me, Carlos here in the home studio, from Matt in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, from Nev in his glorious vineyard over in Buckinghamshire, (laughs) and from Armando over across in Charlotte. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend and see you next week.
1: Bye everyone! Bye.